fun. Okay, Matthew chapter number 13. We did an introduction to the seven parables that Jesus lays forth in Matthew chapter 13. And we gave, uh, we, we tried to give the understanding that it is these parables that are given is an overview of the condition of the kingdom of heaven during this time which we are in now, which is the church age. And we have Christ's death to his second coming. And these parables are kind of encompassing an overview of this kingdom of heaven during that time. The time between the prophetic fulfillment of Daniel's 69th week on the cross. And now there's a a lag in time, if you will, because now there's one week of prophecy left, the 70th week. And so these parables are an overview of the condition of the kingdom of heaven. And the offer of the kingdom was rejected by Israel. We already reviewed all of that. And so now Jesus is talking in parables, uh, concealing to reveal. He conceals to reveal. So um, the land, this kingdom, this physical land, this promise to this nation, it's now in in, in this waiting period, if you will. And it's in a state of expectancy. And, and so this age now, we have in Matthew 13, we basically have two groups within these seven parables. The first four, we find Satan is actively working. And in the last three, we see, we don't see Satan actively working. The first group, The first four, it's spoken before a multitude. The last grouping, the last three, it's spoken in a house. I said that Satan is actively working in the first four parables. In the parable of the sower, Satan works actively to take away the true seed. In the parable of the wheat and tares, Satan actively works to sow his own false seed. The parable of the mustard seed, Satan is lodging with the group, actively lodging. The parable of of the leaven, Satan is as a mixture of that leaven. And again, all of these parables, the first four are spoken before a multitude. You should be able to see, anybody should be able to read them and see, there's true and there is false in the world. In other words, it's out there in the public for everybody to see. The last three parables, Jesus sends the multitude away and then they're in a house. And Satan is not found actively working, but we find the work of the Holy Spirit uh, specifically in those. So a quick overview of those parables and we will dive into each one each week to get a clearer or more in-depth understanding, and we're with the sower tonight. So let's start reading in Matthew chapter number 13. Bible says uh, in verse number one, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. You see that? we got a, he's before a multitude of people out in public. And he spake many things unto them in parables saying, and here it is, behold, a, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and fowls came and devoured them up. 
Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so Jesus tells the parable of the sower to the multitude you see in verses three through nine. Everybody get that. Now we'll fast forward to verses number 18 because this is where Jesus explains the parable of the sower. See it in verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Just quickly, he immediately received it. Anon. Verse 21. Yet hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Two more verses. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and some 30. We see seed is being sown as it's explained. And how many outcomes are there? Well, there's four outcomes. Only one is successful. And with that success, there's degrees in it. 100 fold, 60 fold, 30 fold. And we also see that there's hindrances. What are the hindrances? Well, look at verse number 19. When one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. Who's the wicked one? That'd be Satan. So that's the first hindrance. Satan is a hindrance. Let's look at the second hindrance. Uh, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and Adam with joy receiveth it, but hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. What's the second hindrance? That would be the flesh. Satan is the first hindrance. The he there indicates the flesh is a hindrance. And then the last hindrance that's indicated or explained by the Lord Jesus Christ is found in verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world the world is the third hindrance so we have three hindrances that show up and is resulting in a failed attempt okay satan the flesh and the world so those are the three hindrances now we as christians jesus 
uh, is giving some application here for his followers. Uh, during this time right now, we are supposed to be what? Sowers of the seed. Too many of us have our eyes on the ground. <laughs> we need to quit with inspecting the ground. We are called to be sowers of seed. What seed? That would be the word of God. Now, there's four areas of sowing. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse number four. The first area is the wayside, Matthew chapter 13, verse four. And when he sowed, some seeds fell where? By the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. You take a bag of seed, and they had a bag over their shoulder, and what they would do is they grab some seed, and they would cast that seed in, in this circular type motion. Now, fields, what they had is a wayside. What's the wayside? On one side of a field, you would typically have a path. It would be where the sower walked. It would be where the gardeners walked. It would be where the workers of that field would walk. And when they would walk by that side, that side by the way, that wayside, that path, as they walked on it over and over, those that have farms or those that have, a, have had a garden or those that have land, what happens? It becomes hard, right? Grass doesn't grow there. You can see that path. If you have animals, if you have any type of you know, cattle or sheep or goats, any of that, you will often look out into your field and you'll see they'll have a wayside that basically tracks their path. Well, all of that soil gets compacted due to what? Foot traffic. And the seed just lays on top of it on the wayside. And what does that make it easy for the fowls of the air to do, for the birds to do? It just, they just come down and grab it. That seed doesn't take root, right? Satan, I'm telling you, is the great deflector. And you know what Satan's going to do in your life? He is going to cause distractions so that your life turns into a wayside where no seed can take root. That's what he wants to do. The soil has become so hardened, the seed won't grow. The heart has become so hardened by sin and by the distraction of sin and by the distraction of the world. You know what it results in? No new birth. That's what we're dealing with. We are dealing with people in your town, in your nation, where they are living in the wayside. That's their life. You sow seed, it hits the wayside, it's devoured. You got to get your eyes off the ground, though, and you got to start casting some seed. That's what we're told to do, cast seed. Some of us have hardened hearts. Because when life throws something at you, instead of getting better, you get bitter. <laughs> and I'm as guilty of it as the next person. Situations happen. 
And you think you're a tough guy until you're not, <laughs> until you find out you're actually pretty sensitive about things. And I'm sure that's been the case in your life as well in certain situations. You can't let life get you bitter. You got to let God get you better. And instead of hardening your heart, we need more softened hearts. And I will admit to you, it's easy to have a hard heart when life treats you like a sidewalk. <laughs> Isn't it? When people, all they do is step on you. But let God make you better. Okay, so that's the wayside. That's the first area of sowing. What's the second area is the stony place. Look at verse number five, Matthew 13, verse five. Bible says some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. You know what that is? That's some of the soil conditions we find right here in middle Tennessee. You know, we bought this land and we've got some where it's real rich and real deep. It has some deepness to it. But other areas... It's rock. It's a bedrock. It's right underneath. You might have a surface of an inch to three inches to four to five inches of soil. But right under that is rock. There's really no depth to that soil. As a result, what happens to that soil? It gets drier quicker. It gets hotter faster. And it's hard to get Seed to come up from it, isn't it? Because of that layering and that bedrock layer. I'm telling you, shallow Christianity is the term of the day. There isn't any rich, deep-rooted Christians that are readily available anymore. There's no deep-rooted character that we so want to instill in the young people at this local church. It's a rare thing to have deep-rooted Christian character. May I say to you, young people, grow your roots deep. Grow your roots deep. We're all too often too many quit and no fruit is produced for the Lord. You dry up. You know, it's an amazing thing to me. All of these motivational quotes. Life is hard, you know, and you have to you have to play hard. And, you know, the game of life is and, and people seem to overcome a lot through motivational memes nowadays. And they will really gird up their loins, so to speak, and give everything they have to be able to be successful in their work or their business or their athletic endeavor or their, or, or, or whatever it may be. You know what we need in Christianity? We need some Christians that are going to understand the Christian life is hard. It is. But you got to have some roots deep and some rich soil to your character. Or you'll end up with a shallow heart. What's a shallow heart? No wisdom. There's no wisdom there. 
The only reason you believe in Jesus is because the folks around you believe in Jesus. <laughs> and if the folks around you are going to believe in, you know, the, you, you know, Santa Claus and Easter Bunny and the ice cream man and, and, and pretzels, the crown and Barney, Barney, the elephant or whatever he's supposed to be, then you know what? That's what I'll believe in. <laughs> it, it don't matter to you. Whatever the crowd goes with, you'll go with. If they're going with Jesus on Monday, well, sign me up. But if there's somebody better to go with on Tuesday, well, sign me up for that. Except there isn't anybody better to go with. When you realize that Jesus Christ is the best thing, it don't matter to you what other people are into. You know you've got the best deal in town. This is where the coexist crowd comes in. This is where the Let's celebrate diversity. Let's not. Let's celebrate Christ. Let's celebrate you recovering from a life of sin because Christ came into your heart. This idea is, you know, we just change our beliefs like we change clothes. It's Monday. I put on it, it, it's Tuesday. You know, Monday's over. I put on a new set of clothes. That's not Christianity. We don't need any more shallow Christians, shallow-hearted Christians. All right, so we got the wayside, we got the stony place. Look at verse number seven. Next, we have thorns. Most saved people live in a weed garden. They really do. Their life's just overgrown with weeds. And some fell upon thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. They could have a beautiful, active vibrant Christian life, but their life is so choked out by TV, by sports, by all of the activities and distractions that life throws at you. They just can't humble themselves and say no to things. They're so distracted. You know what Jesus wrote in Jerusalem on? It wasn't a beautiful stallion. It was 17 hands tall. He humbly rode in on a donkey. It's the creator. If anybody belongs to be on the biggest, brightest, most beautiful stallion, it would be the one who created it. <laughs> but he humbly, he humbly rode in. On a donkey. May I say to some of us this evening. We need to get off our high horse. And jump on the donkey. We really do. Be like Jesus. Humble yourself like Jesus. You end up. With the thorns. You end up with a burdened heart. The burdened heart, it's just so loaded with worry. It's so loaded with anxiety. It's so loaded with, well, what's the next thing I have to do? It doesn't have any time. It's so loaded up with burden. They can't go out. They can't fellowship. They can't make it to church. Why? They're worried about finishing something else. And in the meantime, weeds continue to grow. You have any weeds you need to pull out of your life? 
Tonight might be a good night to start weeding the garden. You might not get all of them tonight, but tomorrow you might get some more. And by the end of the week, end of the month, you know what you're going to have? Some fresh soil. Some fertile soil that isn't having all of the life and all of the nutrients sucked out of it by the weeds. You won't be so burdened. You won't be so burdened. Look at verse number eight. Now we'll get to some good news. Because we've got some good soil. Matthew 13, verse 8. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. You're not a hardened wayside. If you're not overrun with weeds, something can grow. And that's what we've got. Some good soil here. And the good soil will bear fruit. And I suspect it'd be the varying degrees. I had many people tell me the way of salvation. I had many seeds planted in my life. Before I came to a saving knowledge of the gospel of the grace of God. And I repented and put my trust and faith in Christ and Christ alone. None of those men were preachers. How did the Lord get me here? Somebody sowed seed and it came a hundredfold. You don't know how many people that you speak to about the Lord. You don't know if it's going to be a hundredfold, sixtyfold or thirtyfold where that harvest is going to come to fruition. You don't know out of a hundred people, you don't know who the Lord is going to save. You and I have got to get busy sowing seed, not worrying about the soil. Amen? Amen. This is the good heart. It's not a burdened heart. This is the good heart. It's soft. It's rich, it's rich soil. It's a heart that's been broken. It realizes, like we said earlier, that Jesus Christ is the best thing. And it also realizes that good soil takes time to prepare. You've gardened. You've tilled the land. You've done some type of yard work. Soil preparation takes time. You know good soil is expensive. You're going to go to Lowe's and buy some? That's why it's expensive. Takes time to prepare. Years of breaking it down, enriching it. What do you want to come up? A really, really good crop. And it takes time. It doesn't resist the breaking down process uh, like some people do when it comes to the Lord. They'd rather just stay hard and stiff necked. But good soil 
is broken down. It trusts the gardener. Can I get some help with an amen here? I'm telling you, good soil trusts the gardener to prepare the soil and make it what it ought to be. Us as Christians need to get a hold of that. We need to trust the master gardener. He knows best. He knows best. Amen. 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 That's right. Amen. Over. Amen. Amen. I mean, I hear that. Amen. Amen. All right. Calm down out there. Amen. That's some good teaching right there. You get a hold of that. It'll make a difference in your life. Whew. All right. Matthew 13 in the, in the beginning. Watch this. Verse three. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And right now, the gospel must be preached. Get your eyes off the soil and get your eyes on Sow and seed. Yes, there's going to be varying results, but don't stop sowing. Sow seed. What's the seed? The word of God. Broadcast the gospel. Where? Verse. Go down to the end of the chapter. Uh, verse 38. Verse 38. Matthew 13, 38. Uh, verse 37. He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Watch, the field is the world. See that? The field is the world. Where are we broadcasting the good news of the gospel? To this lost and dying, help me out, pilgrim, world. That's who we're sowing seed to. This lost and dying world. And Satan's greatest work right now in this age is to hinder the broadcasting of the gospel. Notice this too. Look at verse number two in Matthew 13. People say, well, I just don't like open air preaching. I just don't like that you're out in public on the street corners holding scripture signs. I just don't like that you're out at fairs giving out uh, in, in the public, giving out gospel tracts. What good is that going to do? Well, I don't know. Look what Jesus said in verse number two. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him. It seems to me Jesus is out in public. And uh, so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. He wasn't street preaching. He was beach preaching. He's out on the beach. He's out on the shore. Gathered of multitudes of people. And Jesus is out in public. Doing what we ought to be doing. Getting out in public and finding a way to sow seed. More applicable for 
some folks that are not able-bodied or physically able to do it don't have the energy vitality that they had in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. A bumper sticker on a vehicle sows seed. Uh, a a, a t-shirt with the scripture verses sows seed. There's many ways we can just start naming things. There's many ways you can still a gospel track along with a tip at a restaurant can sow some seed. When you visit the neighbor once a year (laughs) and you, you you bring them the... You know, the holiday cake or cookies or whatever. Look, a letter with with, with a gospel track or or something like that. There's many, many, many ways. You just have to get creative. And you'll find that you can sow some seed. But Jesus brought it publicly. Take the seed, which is the word of God. It says in Genesis 3, you know, it's cursed the ground. Get our eyes off the ground. We don't need to start worrying about soil conditions. We need to start broadcasting seed. Uh, Go back to the Old Testament and to Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah. There he is. I really like the book of Jeremiah. He's an inspiring prophet. Very little results, except there were results. He did what the Lord told him to do and praised God for it. But watch this in Jeremiah 4, verse 1. If thou will return, O Israel, saith the Lord. So we know very easily from the context who's this speaking about, the nation. Return unto me, if thou will put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shall thou not remove. Now, let me just say this. He tells that nation to do something. Put away thine abominations. May I tie this into what we've already been speaking about? Put away your abominations. (laughs) What is it in your life that's keeping you from living a richer life in the Lord? Young people, you've got it made. It's a clean slate. You have parents that bring you to church. Life hasn't beat you up yet. But I got news for you. Life will beat you up. That's what it does. That's what it does. Put away thine abominations. Don't get bitter Allow God to make you better. Don't get distracted by life. Put away thine abominations. Verse 2, and thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth in truth and judgment and righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. Now watch this. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, watch what he says. Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. You know what he told them to do? You enrich yourself. Get rid of some stuff. Start enriching your own soil. And God would bless them. 
for thus, or verse 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Now, be careful. Let's read the context. And take away the foreskins of your heart. Golly, that'd be a horrible verse to take out of context. <laughs> You'd end up with some young boys in the hospital, amen. <laughs> the preacher said, no, the Bible says it's about your heart. You are going to have to deal with taking some stuff out of your own heart. Put away thine abominations. Break up your fallow ground. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Just quit sowing evil. Now, in context, it's about the nation overridden with idolatry. Jeremiah is weeping over his own people. But to make some practical application, how about getting away, get, getting rid of some abominations? I can think of one that comes down a chimney in a couple of months. <laughs> we'll save that for another time. God says, he tells the nation, it's your fault. It's your fault, Israel. It's your fault. Remember I told you earlier, I had seed sown and, and I heard it and I had someone else plant some seed and someone else came and watered and I heard it and I heard it and I heard it. You know what I'm thankful for? Oh, praise God. You know what I'm thankful for? The people that were telling me the word of God, the people that were preaching to me the gospel of the grace of God, they didn't require the soil to be perfect. They just sowed the seed. And God broke up the soil. It just sowed the seed. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing what? By the word of God. And the word of God will re reach four different hearts, not by seeing, but by hearing, but by hearing, hearing. Go back to the book of Isaiah and go to the second chapter. It's important as we close out to understand that we are not Israel. I know you get sick of hearing me say that, but just about every false doctrine that has been invented by man comes from the fact that they are borrowing something that belongs to the nation. And we need to be careful of that because Jesus, this mystery period, this church age period, we'll get more into that as we go on in these parables. It's not, we're not Israel. And as in Isaiah chapter number two, watch what it says in verse number two. Um, it shall come and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, come ye 
And let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, isn't that a great thing? Except that great thing isn't happening now. <laughs> it is going to come to pass. The people right now, we are not trying to tell people to come to a land of Israel. Where they're going to be able to get and, and, and come and go and say, come, ye, let us go to the mountain of the Lord and the house of the God of Jacob. And, and he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. And out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We're not sending people to Jerusalem. We're not Israel. That kingdom of heaven is going to come. Right now. We are not telling people to come to a physical land in Jerusalem. We are sowing seed to all people from all nations everywhere. And if you notice, keep your hand in Isaiah. Let me show you this in Matthew. In Matthew 13. Let's get that. Look at verse 19. Matthew chapter 13, look at verse number 19. It's a good verse. Matthew 13, 19. Watch what it says uh, concerning the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. Now, in the very beginning of that verse, it doesn't say when anyone heareth about the kingdom. What am I trying to say? It says when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom. In other words, what is sown is the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is the word is sown. The word of the kingdom of sown, in other words, not a physical kingdom. It's not a kingdom that's physically happening that is sown. It's the word of the kingdom. I took a long time to make a point to basically draw out the distinction be between there's the word of the kingdom and then there's the physical kingdom. We're not sending people to physical Israel. Okay, this isn't the kingdom of heaven time. This is the time period between uh, when God is going to come and set up his physical kingdom. In the meantime, look at verse 38. It says, uh, the field is the world. Watch this. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The word produces the children. The word of the kingdom produces the children. You sow good seed and it's going to produce fruit. That's the idea. It's the kingdom. It's the word of the kingdom that enters the heart, not the 
physical kingdom that enters the heart. Everybody get it? Physical versus spiritual. Now look at Isaiah 11. I'll show you one more. And then we'll land this plane and call it a night. Isaiah 11, verse number 6. You know why it's not, in, there, there is no earthly physical kingdom that we are going to bring in at all during this time. Watch what he's, Isaiah 11, verse 6 says. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Try that now. Not going to happen. And the leopard shall, shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. Go ahead and try that. How about no? Ain't going to work. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Now isn't that cute? You're not going to go to the National Zoo, read this passage to the zookeeper and say, you want to hang out with the lions and feed them straw all day. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. You're not going to be handling deadly snakes. And the wean child shall put his hand in the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Except, you know why it's not the kingdom now? Because the earth is not full with the knowledge of the Lord. There were four conditions of soil. Three of them, they weren't full of the knowledge. There's going to come a time when it will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. When? That's millennial kingdom stuff. That's the physical kingdom. That's the physical kingdom of heaven that will come. But right now, this parable of the sower, it answers this question. Why aren't we getting results? Why, are, why is so little? Because the earth isn't full of the knowledge of the Lord. Most of it, don't confuse the church age with the kingdom age. That millennial kingdom age, that's what this Isaiah 11 passage is talking about. Most of the ground right now will not have favorable soil conditions how many do we go through tonight four how many of them are favorable one the favorability of that soil even that produced a decrease in numbers it started at 100 went to 60 ended up with 30 god told us ahead of time there's going to be external opposition fouls sun scorching drying up Just don't look for this whole world to be won over to usher in the kingdom. It's not going to happen. Just get busy. Sow and seed. Last verse, and then I'm done. Matthew 13. Look at verse 23. Shouldn't we wait until a better sower comes along? No. You just sow. Shouldn't we try to get back to life like it was in the 1950s? No. Just keep sowing seed. Look what it says. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, 
some 30. All we need to do is stop worrying about the soil conditions and just sow 